So have you ever tried to do something you had a uh, little to no experience on or over before? Um, I think if you're intellectually honest with yourself, uh, we've all been there. We've all tried something. Uh, maybe even if you've had some instructions, it's your first time kind of doing it without it, your instructor. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking here at this church, we've been together 721 days since we started. That's just, that's like a week under two years. And uh, yeah, if, if you have been with us since the beginning, you've definitely known, oh yeah, I have tried or people around me have tried things and, and done things that we've had very little experience or exposure in, in that unique way. I mean, even in your own life, uh, having one kid is a lot different than having zero. Having two is different than one. You, you, we're just constantly being put in positions where we have to learn, we have to change, we have to grow. And uh, at the very beginning of our church life, not everyone was here for this, but here, here are the two things that we looked at. The gospel, which is Christ crucified and resurrected, and the Great Commission. And I believe that those two things make for the best church growth strategy ever. They, they make for the best church, the healthy church. So everything from, we, we, we've studied Nehemiah in the Old Testament. We've studied 2 Corinthians. We've looked at topics like people skills, like how to successfully relate to people. We, we, we've celebrated holidays like Christmas uh, and stuff. Everything we've done, though, is connected to those two, the gospel and the Great Commission. So this week and the following two weeks, we are going to look at the, at the Great Commission more in depth. Uh, we're going to return back to where we started. And, and here's what I have to say. Uh, if the gospel has taken root in your life, meaning if you've chosen to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the Great Commission is for you. The Great, the great Commission is for you to do, to be a part of. And if you haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus, uh, this, these messages are for you as well because this is what you're being invited into. This, this is what you're being invited into. So uh, I know you just stood, but as I read, or I, I'd, I'd like to invite you to read with me the passage today and to stand together as we read it. It'll be on the screen, so you can go ahead and stand again if you're able and willing. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, would you please read this with me? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You can be seated. Thanks. So there is so much to be said uh, about this passage, but we're going to unpack it today by looking at the four verbs in, in, the, in the charge where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. We're going to look at the four verbs that Jesus uses, the four actions that if we are followers of Christ or if we're considering following Christ, here are the actions that we must take to be obedient. Um, but before we start with the verbs, and if you're not an English person, I'll, I'll help you through this. Like, I'll identify the verbs for you and everything. But before we look at the verbs, first let's define the crucial term. What is discipleship? 
Because we cannot do discipleship, we cannot make disciples if we don't know what a disciple is. And to put it just very, very simply, here's what discipleship to Jesus means. It means being with him and learning to do life his way. It means being with him and learning to live like Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book uh, in the 1940s. It's a classic called The Cost of Discipleship. And he says this, when Christ calls a man, Christ bids that man or woman come and die. That is the invitation to follow Jesus. Pretty compelling, huh? Come and die. But it's very biblical. Luke 14, 27, Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So the cross was an instrument of torture, of death. Whoever does not carry their death, carry their instrument of torture and death, and follow me. So it's not just about living a painful life. It's not just about pursuing things that are hard. It's about doing whatever it takes to follow Jesus. That's what it takes to be his disciple. So just to be really clear, there's a high price, okay? We're not cutting any corners about this. That's what it means to be Jesus' disciple. But there's another side to this transaction. It's a high price, but look at the reward. Dallas Willard says this, the cost of non-discipleship, meaning not being with Jesus in your life and not learning how to do life his way, the cost of non-discipleship is far greater than the cost of discipleship because non-discipleship costs us the fullness of life that Christ came to bring. So even though Christ is inviting each one of us to come and die so that we might follow him, the reward is far greater. The benefit far outweighs the cost. So again, in summary, disciples are those who are with Jesus learning to be like him. And it's, it's, a, it's a whole life endeavor. Your work is involved. Your leisure is involved. Your relationships, everything is involved. Everything is subordinate to Jesus as Lord, to him as leader. That, this is what I mean when, when we talk about discipleship. So I, I, I want to pause here and say, it's, it's kind of a challenging message, and I kind of like challenges. If you're not like that, if you just like, you know, man, I just want some loving affirmation, that's coming to you this morning. It's not just all like, all right, we got to do this all of life, all the time, hardcore. It, it, I, I just want to say there is balance here in the Great Commission, and we'll, we'll see it. But the verbs, the verbs are something we have to do. And so we have to accept some responsibility here when it comes to being Jesus' disciple. We have some actions to take. So let's look at the four actions uh, with the four verbs, the four actions for anyone who wants to be Jesus' disciple. Um, Here's what you're invited to do. First, this is the main verb. It's not the first verb that we see, but the main verb here, and if you want to unpack the Greek with me later, I I don't want to waste your time now, but this is the main verb, disciple. And, and it's translated make disciples, but the verb actually means just disciple as a verb, to do that. So, you know, T. Swift said this, haters gonna hate, 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 hate. <laughs> right? You tracking with me? Yeah, you're, you're tracking, Roger. I see that. <laughs> haters gonna hate. Disciples gonna disciple. You tracking? Okay, I think you're tracking with me. 
this is what it means. This is, if you are a disciple, you are going to disciple. And so all these other verbs that we're going to look at, the other three, going, baptizing, and teaching them to obey, everything else is really unpacking what it means to disciple someone. And it's not a full, robust definition, but these are important tenets that Jesus chooses to include. So all I'm saying is if you're a disciple, you must be committed to discipling. And you might be like, okay, so... I'm a disciple, meaning I'm with Jesus, learning to live life like him, learning to do life his way. So what does it mean to disciple others? It's being with Jesus along with them and helping them to become like Jesus as well. And you might be like, okay, uh, that is, I still don't understand. That's okay. This is a process. I just want you in your hearts and myself to commit to doing this to commit to learning from Jesus ultimately. He's the disciple maker here. So if you don't know what that means this morning, or if you have some idea what it means, then praise God for that because you learned it from Christ, his spirit that he sent to teach you how to be his disciple and how to make other disciples. And I also want to say, Ben, I have seen discipleship misused. I've seen it abused. It's hurt me. It's hurt other people around me. Uh, and I just want to say, first, I'm sorry that happens, and I'm really sorry. But second, what Jesus is inviting us into with discipleship is a really, really good thing. It, we're, we're invited into a really good thing in, in discipleship under Jesus. So, haters going to hate, but disciples are going to disciple. That's just what it means to be a disciple. You, you can't explain it away. You can't navigate around it. So discipling is the first verb. That's the first action that we're to take. And second, the second action we see here is go. And uh, some, you, you might have heard, uh, this is a participle in the Greek. So some people say this actually means as you're going. And I'm not going to get into that debate, but the, the best translation, honestly, is the imperative. It's just Go. But the point is the same. The point is to live on mission. And the mission is to disciple people, to be with Jesus and train them to be like him. And we can easily, I think, become disillusioned about the Great Commission being all about, oh, well, how am I going? You know, am I called to go overseas? Am I called to give money? Am I called to train people? Um, and, And here's an honest question. I might be off base here. You can... Test everything I say according to the scripture. But why just choose one way to go when you can enjoy Christ in multiple ways? You can give your money, you can train people, you can go overseas yourself. Now you can't live over there and over here at the same time. None of us can. But why just choose, well, God's calling me to be a missionary overseas and so you know, between now and then, I'm just gonna work towards that and not focus on discipling people here around me. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Why choose one way of going when you can enjoy Christ in a variety of ways? Here's, here's a real example. Uh, there was once a man named William Carey who grew up in a Christian home, fell away from the faith during his teenage years, and then he worked at a shoe shop. He, he was a, co- a cobbler, worked at a cobbler shop. And 
Carrie had a friend, a co-worker named John War. And John was a, was a devout follower of Jesus. And when, when John and Carrie worked together, they talked. And uh, they talked about Christ. They talked about life. And ultimately, God used John War to bring William Carey back to Christ, to following Jesus. Well, John War was just being faithful to love and pray for the people God put around him. But John War was used by God to reach the nation of India because William Carey went there and served his whole life over there. So all I'm saying is John War's ordinary faithfulness, if he was giving money to missions, he was contributing in that way. If he was spending time with people in his church, he was contributing that way. He was, he was investing in the people immediately close to him, and God used war's faithfulness to impact a nation and to inspire a host of other missionaries to go and give their lives in the same vein. War didn't have that as his plan. I, I'm, just, I'm just sure of that. I never asked him. I mean, we're a couple hundred years separated, but war's plan was be faithful to Jesus. And Jesus' plan was turn ordinary faithfulness into extraordinary fruit, extraordinary results. And if you look at the context, going back to the Great Commission, Jesus was talking to these 11 guys, his close followers, and he said, go to all nations, meaning all people groups. And uh, these are 11 Jewish guys basically being told, go to people who aren't like you. So if you have people who are not like you, in your everyday life, go to them. If they're of a different socioeconomic status, a different personality, oh, I just don't click with those people. Go to them and pursue them for the sake of Christ, for the cause of Christ. Pursue them with the intent that Jesus might make them into his disciple. So I think the important thing here is that we acknowledge it doesn't matter where you go, as much as who is going. And I'm all for reaching unreached people groups. Don't, don't mishear me. But it doesn't matter where you go as much as who is the one going. Because whoever you are, you're, kind, you're, you're gonna make new ones. Your strengths are gonna be replicated and so will your weaknesses. So in, in Matthew 23, Jesus says it this way to the Pharisees, woe to you, you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. So disciples of hell are going to make disciples of hell. Disciples of legalism, meaning we earn God's favor by the good that we do. We have to keep doing better and better to keep getting better. And better. They're going to make disciples of legalism. Disciples of apathy, well, you know, just kind of come to church and do your thing and you're good. Like, they're going to make disciples of apathy. So guard your life and guard your doctrine, what you think about God very closely because whatever you are will be reproduced. The third verb here is baptize them. And Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so What's that mean exactly? Is this, is this Jesus giving us, oh yeah, as you're submerging them underwater, because the word baptize means immerse, as, as you're submerging them, you say, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't think that's exactly what Jesus means. What Jesus is saying is, make this act of baptizing an identification mark. So 
Here's an, here's an example. You guys know what this is? It's a wedding ring. Am I less married now that my ring is off? No, not at all. This is a sign that points to re- a reality. And baptism also is a sign that points to your identification, your being made one with the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it's, it's a way of clarifying exactly who you are in Christ. You've been raised with Christ to walk in new life with him. You've been put to death. That's, that's the going under the water. You've been put to death to sin as your master. You've been raised with Christ as your master. So if, you don't, if you're not baptized, are you still a Christian? Well, yeah, totally. Just like if you don't wear your wedding ring, you're still married. But it's also possible, just, just bear with me here, you can wear your wedding ring and live in a really unhealthy relationship. People do it all the time, <laughs> unfortunately. And it's the same that's true for Christianity. Baptism is really important, but it doesn't mean, okay, you're scot-free in your relationship now. You have to maintain the work that it takes to get healthy relationship. So I got this fly just all over me here. So you might be wondering, okay, what's this have to do with me? First of all, baptism is for you if you're a believer. If you've chosen to be Jesus' disciple, and, and I, I, I've been using the word disciple, so I, I need to say this. Christian, believer, disciple, uh, follower of Jesus, they're all the same thing. There's no like classes here. You see it? Man, it's all over me, this fly. Um, there is no classes. To, to be a disciple, a Christian, they're all the same. So if you've chosen to follow Jesus, baptism is for you. And if you have questions about that or you just want to do it, talk to your small group leader or talk to me and we can get it on the schedule. It's a great way to celebrate someone's faith in Christ. Um, and, and here's the other thing. I'm guessing most of us in the, this room have already been baptized. So it's like, well, I got this done, Ben. You know, I would challenge you, ask God to let you have the privilege of baptizing someone else. If you are committed to being a disciple, which means you're going to make disciples, ask God, Father, why not? Daddy, why not? I would love to have that privilege. I would love for you to move in my life, through my life, in such a way that someone comes up to me, hey, you've been such an important friendship to me as I've walked with Jesus as I've grown in him. I've never taken this step. I would love for you to baptize me. I've already prayed that for all of you, and I'll continue to pray it for all of you. I think it would be awesome. Because when, when, you, when you are in that spot, you have a deep sense of, uh, this is definitely not my doing. <laughs> this is, I can't take credit for this. This is no notch in my belt. There's no spiritual brownie points for me too, for, 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 for me here baptizing someone. It, this is evidence of Christ's work, and, and it's incredibly humbling. So uh, ask God for, for the privilege, and, and make that a lifelong prayer. Uh, don't just pray it once, but continue to move towards discipling other people, asking God that it would result in baptizing them. And then the, the, the fourth verb that we see here is teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. 
if Jesus had just said this, our hands would already be full. <laughs> um, but I just want to say that anybody, anybody can do this. If you uh, became a Christian at five years old, you can do this by simply obeying. Because when you obey, you show someone else how to obey. You don't have to have the spiritual gift of teaching to teach others to obey everything Jesus commanded. You just have to obey and encourage others to come along with you. So kind of, kind of in summary with all these verbs, uh, this, is, this is the last like, challenging part of the message and then all, everybody who you know, needs encouragement and affirmation, it's coming. But Mark Dever, a pastor out in Washington, D.C., said this, if you say you follow Jesus and you're not helping others to follow Jesus, I don't know what you mean. I'll say it again. If you say you follow Jesus and if you are not helping others to follow Jesus, I just don't know what you mean by saying you're a follower of Jesus because this is built in to what it means to follow Jesus, to have him as your king, your Lord. And you might think, Ben, I've got no time in my life for this. I'm, my schedule is so full. Uh, this can be done as an educator, as a medical professional, as a single person, as a married person, a retired person. If you're in the construction industry, if you're in the fine arts, if you're in the business world, this can be done. And I would say it must be done. There is way too much joy at stake in your life. There's way too much good at stake in the lives around you to impact the world. There's, there's too much good at stake for us to shirk, to neglect our responsibility here. And so this statement might not mean a lot to you, but it means a whole lot to me. The Great Commission is the best church growth strategy ever. And I'm not interested in numbers, but the Great Commission is effective at growing people, engaging people, getting people to come together, pulling, exerting energy in the same direction with all of their different strengths that they have. And I just got to say, as we pursue the Great Commission, because this is our strategy at Orchard, um, the number of people, it'll take care of itself. It really will. God is more interested and we're more interested in the kind of people that we're producing because they will be reproduced. And you might think, well, aren't we going to mess up? Oh, yeah. The failure is part of the process. It's part of the learning process. And disciple, I didn't say this, but disciple is, is a learner. It's a student. So we're, we're interested in the direction of our church, of our lives individually. We're not interested in perfection. Jesus is the perfect one. We're interested in him. We don't expect ourselves to be perfect. We're interested in the direction. And, and the mark of heading in the right direction is relationship with God and people. That's what matters most in the end. That's what matters most right now. So here's the... Here's the the soft part, the, the encouraging part. 
The Lord's given us this command to obey, but he's, pro- he's made us some promises. Do, do you remember when we read the very first line of the Great Commission? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if you're trying to do this for the first time, don't try to do it on your own. Do you, do you hear me? Jesus is saying, if you want to make disciples, that's awesome because that means you're going to be closer to my heart. You're going to move in to what I'm interested in, what I'm doing, and he's like, I, I want that for you just because I want more depth of intimacy in our relationship. I want us to be closer. And so all authority, all the power is his, and he says, because of that, you go and you do this. And, and at the end, he, the, whole, the whole commission, the whole charge is sandwiched with these relational promises. All the power is mine, and my presence is always with you. I am doing this with you, Jesus said. I love you so much. Jesus is saying, I love you so much. I want you to be involved in what I'm doing. So it's a mission, yes, but it's incredibly relational. It's, it's done out of relationship. And so in review, discipleship to Jesus, it, it is a whole life endeavor. And it even makes me ask the question, uh, with so much on the line, like my whole life, all my finances, all my dreams, all, all the future, all my relationships, uh, all my skills, with so much on the line, why? <laughs> why would I commit to come and die? Like, give me a little bit of an incentive again. Re- remind me, Lord, uh, why? And it's because we've seen, we've seen this story play out, guys. We've seen it play out in the gospel. When Jesus laid down his life for us, you know what happened. He suffered. And we are promised, as we move towards obedience, we will suffer. But we're also promised that our suffering is not in vain and it's never the end. Because Jesus, in his suffering, accomplished God's purposes and was vindicated by God in his resurrection. So I guess what I'm saying is, when you count the cost Tuesday afternoon, when you count the cost Thursday morning when you wake up and have your quiet time and you're dead tired, as you're counting the cost, being patient with your spouse, being patient with your coworkers, as you're counting the cost, remember, there is new life on the other side. There's a new man, a new woman being formed in you. That this is leading you to something better. This is leading you towards closer and a closer walk with Jesus. Becoming like him, learning to be with him in all of life. So simple, simple applications to end. And these are not boxes to check. These are invitations in a life to cultivate. If, you wanna, if you're committed to being a disciple of Jesus then be, be a disciple. Spend time with him every day. Be with him. And you might even be with him without reading your Bible. I'm all, I'm all for the Bible. We need it. But you can be with Jesus without reading your Bible. Okay? Spend time daily with Christ. You can't know Christ apart from your Bible. Know him clearly. You can't know him fully, as fully as you can. But Spend time daily with Christ. Spend time with people 
for the sake of the commission. This doesn't mean you're allowed to turn people into projects. This means look at your life as I'm on this mission. Look at these people as these are the people that God has put in front of me. These are the people that God loves. You can spend time with people before the service. You were already doing this. Spend time with people after the service. You can call people on your drive home. You can text them as you're waiting for dinner to finish cooking. These are very practical applications, ways to make disciples, to pursue people. And then lastly, pray for people. I think this is where relationship with God and relationship with people collide beautifully. You pray for them. And so again, application points, they're numerous, but these are not boxes to check, but it's a life to cultivate. So let's ask God to cultivate this life in us. King Jesus, uh, it is because of your love for us demonstrated on the cross. It's because of the life that you live that we are compelled to live for you uh, until the end. And, and we'll live with you forever. So help us, help us connect the dots, honestly, uh, between our lives on Wednesday evening, Monday morning, to this purpose of yours. This, this, this relational invitation to come and do all of life with you, to learn and become like you. Thank you for giving us such closeness uh, as you give us task to do and task and relationship are not exclusive to each other not in your kingdom so we acknowledge that we can change diapers we can teach lessons we can build airplanes to your glory and we can make disciples in every single one of those areas And, and <laughs> you're the only one who can teach us to do that. <laughs> not me, not, not even our small group leaders, but ultimately it's you. So we look to you now and uh, we, we want our friendship with you to be deepened as we commit to making disciples with our lives.